give God some praise. Hallelujah. Come on and give God some praise. Come on, put those hands together and give God some praise. Come on and put those hands together and give God some praise. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Come on and give God some praise. Hallelujah. He's worthy. He's worthy of the praise. Hallelujah. He's worthy of the praise. Amen. God is worthy to be praised. Amen. God, he sits up high and he looks down low upon us. And even in all of his majesty, he's still thoughtful of us. He's still considerate of us. And we're grateful to God for his love. Grateful to God for his compassion. Grateful to God that he thinks of us. Hallelujah, Lord. Hallelujah. And no matter whatever it is in your life that feels like it's impossible, I want you to remember that God has already conquered death. Whatever seems impossible in your life, I want you to be reminded that God has already conquered death. When Jesus was raised, he said, death, where is your sting? Grave, where is your victory? God, thanks be to God who has given us the victory through Christ Jesus. Come on, put those hands together and give God some praise. Hallelujah. 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 Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. You can take your seats if you can. Grateful to God for his consideration, for his love, for his thoughtfulness towards us, for his grace and his kindness to each and every one of us. And we're grateful to God for that. Come on, put those hands together and give God some praise. Amen. I want to, before I get started this morning, I, I like to take care of these things before I get started because I often forget. Uh, Sister Angel, will you come here for a moment? She'll come here for a moment. Praise God for her that she is a recent graduate of Shelbyville Central High School. And we praise God for her. She's grown up literally before our eyes. Isn't she a beautiful young lady? And we praise God for you. Thank you. Praise God for your accomplishment. This is not from me. This is from all of Bright Temple to let us know that we love you and we praise God for your accomplishment. Come on, give her a hand. God bless you. You may go to your seat. Come on, give her a hand as she returns to her seat. God bless you. Praise God for her. Amen. We also praise God for her, her faithfulness. Amen. We see her often here, sanctuary. She's one of those children that if she's here, she's going to come speak to her pastor. Amen. I praise God for her and her family. Amen. And for her perseverance in making it through. We're going to the word of the Lord. We're going to 2 Samuel, the ninth chapter. And as you're going there and venturing there, I just want to share with you my excitement for what God has given me in the next few weeks that I'll be sharing with you. It's a series of sermons. I don't even want to name them. I don't know how they go together, but it's just something that God gave me, and it's something that I'm excited about to share with you. And I know 
I know because it's inspired of God that it'll be a blessing to you. So I pray that you're with us, that you're tuned in, that you're attentive, that your hearts, your minds, and your spirits are open to what God's trying to do at this time. But it's just something special I, that God gave me that I want to share with you, and I'm excited to share it with you. It's the beautiful thing about preaching is I get to experience it twice. I get to experience it when God gives it to me and I get to experience it again when I share it with you. And I, and I just praise God. Like I said, I'm excited about what God has given me and I'm excited about what it will mean and how it'll be meaningful to you. Again, that's second Samuel, the ninth chapter, and we'll be looking at really at verses one through seven. And I'm reading today from the King James version. Second Samuel chapter nine, verse one reads, and David said, is there yet any that is left of the house of Saul that I might show him kindness for Jonathan's sake? And there was of the house of Saul, a servant whose name was Ziba. And when they had called him unto David, when they called him unto David, the king said unto him, art thou Ziba? And he said, thy servant is he. And the king said, is there not yet any of the house of Saul that I may show the kindness of God unto him? And Ziba said unto the king, Jonathan hath yet a son, which is lame on his feet. And the king said unto him, where is he? And Ziba said unto the king, behold, he is in the house of Machir, the son of Amiel in Lodibar. Then King David sent and fetched him out of the house of Machir, the son of Amiel from Lodibar. Now, when Mephibosheth, the son of Jonathan, the son of Saul, was coming to David, he fell on his face and did reverence. And David said, Mephibosheth, and he answered, Behold, thy servant. And David said unto him, Fear not, for I will surely show thee kindness for Jonathan, thy father's sake, and will restore thee all the land of Saul, thy father, and thou shalt eat bread at my table continually. If you bow your heads, Heavenly Father, Lord, open our hearts, our minds, and our spirit to be receptive to your word as it shall go forth. Let us be open and be willing to move, Lord, even as your word directs us. Let thy word be a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. Lord, even from this moment, this destiny moment, let us be prepared, Lord, to move with you. And Lord, do not allow us to leave this moment the same way that we came. In Jesus' name, amen. And you may be seated in the house of the Lord. With tomorrow being Memorial Day, I was inspired to share of this particular word. And my thought for this morning is when it hurts to remember. When it hurts to remember. And I, I can just imagine that there is, is somebody who, who's there who, who, who understands that sometimes it is painful to remember. That there are things that have occurred in your life that are difficult to look back on. And I imagine even as I speak these words that somebody is there now in your mind, in your heart. You're, you're considering, you're thoughtful of that particular thing in your mind that is difficult to even think about. Because we have to understand as Christians, it's so important for us that when we share our testimony, that we share the fullness of our testimony, that we don't just share the good parts. I often say we share, often share our edited testimony. We share the parts that sound good. We don't always talk about 
the struggle. We, we share, we say, well, well the Lord, he, he, he took the taste of cigarettes out of my mouth. And thank, praise God, I'm delivered. But we, we, don't, we don't talk about the few times we slipped back and smoked a few. We, we don't talk about that. We, we, we talk about God delivering us from drinking, but we don't talk about that night that we got really depressed and we drank ourselves to sleep. We, we don't. We don't discuss that. We we say I, I, I got saved when I, I 30 years ago. But we don't talk about the times in between where we slipped. And and, and and if it weren't for but for the grace of God. That he gave us another opportunity, another chance to be to be where we are right now. I, I, I'm talking about giving people your unedited testimony. And I tell you that because when I put it in the frame of this, maybe you'll understand it a little bit better because sometimes America gives an edited testimony. Sometimes the United States of America gives us an edited version of history. And sometimes we're frustrated by that, but then we don't acknowledge our own fault when we give our edited testimony. But it's the same fault. We want to talk about everything that was good, but we do not want to discuss the evil and dark shadows that exist in our history. Because when I got an understanding of Memorial Day, first of all, Memorial Day is really dedicated to those who died in combat. It's really it's not just a it's not Veterans Day. It's not just those who served and it's not those just who served who passed. But it's those who served and died while serving. That's really what Memorial Day is about, because what we're really looking back on is something ugly and dark. We're talking about death. And I'll get back to that in a moment. But when I think of Memorial Day, now, my grandfather, he didn't die in combat. Faye Lawson Crispin. But he served during World War Two. And when he served, he served for the concept and the idea of freedom. He served for that concept. So when we talk about we, we, we talk about and celebrate our our soldiers who go out to protect our freedoms and to 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 make sure that we stay free. But he went to protect the freedom of a country that was not fully allowing him to be free. Can we talk about it? I'm talking about the unedited testimony. Because he went and he served and he fought and he was in battle. And many of you know, he even lost an arm while serving there in the South Pacific during World War II. For the concept and the idea of a free country, a country that held him in low regard. When he came back, he was still a second class citizen. When he came back, he was just a Negro. When he came back, he came back to water fountains that were blacks only and to bathrooms that were blacks only and whites only. He came back to segregated schools. He left and fought for freedom and and gave his arm and, and put his life on the line for the concept of freedom to return to a country where he was not free. His right to vote was not even validated or protected. It would be 20 to 30 years later before they would pass the Civil Rights Act and and the Voting Rights Act. He was fighting for the concept of a country that talks about fighting for freedom, but often gives an edited testimony. 
I'm talking about when remembering hurts. It made me think of a show that I was watching. It was on Netflix a few years ago. And, and there was a, 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 a man on there who had, it was a kind of a sci- science fiction show. He had figured out a way to go back into the past. And it was his desire in this show that he was going to go back and undo the Kennedy assassination. And for a few moments, I was like, man, that, that, that is a novel concept. That's a novel idea. That, that's kind of neat. And then I thought about it for a minute. And I was like, hold on. Now, he's going back and he's white. Now, I'm black. If I go back, I'd encounter a few more trouble. There'd be a few more problems if I go back. I'm talking about when when remembering hurts. So so when my my grandfather, he he fought for the concept of freedom. He fought for, for for, for the perception of a country that desired. He fought for an ideal. He fought for hope. Can you imagine risking your life for a country and hoping that things will be better when you get back only to be hit with the reality that as much as you've done to change things abroad, things at home are exactly the same. I'm talking about when remembering hurts. When I I put it in that context, I begin to appreciate that we as African-Americans, we have a goal, we have a duty. We have a responsibility, and even as parents, not not just African-American or minority parents, because when African-Americans and minority parents or people are told to go back and think of when our country is great, it's difficult for us. Because for us, sometimes remembering hurts. Remembering reminds us that, that our Constitution didn't think of us as citizens, but property. Remembering for us remembers compromises that counted us as three-fifths of a person, not so that we could vote, but simply so that the, the states that we were enslaved in could get better representation. R- reminding us and, and telling us to, to, to look at a flag that flew in, in, in a Congress that continued to pass legislation that kept us subjugated and, and, and not citizens. A flag that flew in the Supreme Court when they came up with the Dred Scott decision and and told us that you cannot sue because you are not a citizen, because you are not a person. You do not have standing to sue. Plessy versus Ferguson that said separate is still equal, that you can have run down textbooks, that you can have leftovers and still be considered equal. Why? Because we were second class citizens. I'm talking about when remembering hurts. And if you think it was a long time ago, I want you to consider this. My father was the first freshman class at Shelbyville Central High School that was integrated. My father. His ninth grade year, for, eight, for, for K through 8, he went through a, to a segregated school. It was only his freshman year at high school that he was part of the first class that integrated Shelbyville Central High School. So if you think it was a long time ago because you see black and white pictures, let me remind you it wasn't so long ago. Can I, can I talk about when remembering hurts? So when we talk about Memorial Day and we talk about remembering, understand that sometimes our patriotism may look a little different because for us remembering, it hurts a little bit. It's different because you'll have different, you'll feel differently. Sometimes children, sometimes in the same house, may get different treatment from their parents or from their fathers. And when they remember things, they remember things a little bit differently. 
Sometimes there's a, often you see even on television, there'll be the father that loved one of his daughters, but then he abused the other. So when that father dies, the one that was his princess remembers him a little bit differently than the one who he slipped in her room at night and sexually abused. So when one pays tribute at his death and the other one doesn't, just be reminded it's because they were treated a little bit differently. So as minorities, we still remember the Trail of Tears. We still remember Jim Crow laws. We still remember our, 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 father, our grandfathers being hosed down in the street when they marched for rights or being trampled by police or, or being killed and no jury was impaneled and nobody was charged. Because sometimes remembering can hurt. And I, it made me think of the story here of Mephibosheth. Because, remember, I told you this is in the context of death. Memorial Day is not about those who were living. It's talking about those who died during the struggle. So it's less about, uh, it's less about Jesse Jackson than it is about Martin Luther King, who died during the struggle. It's less about Rosa Parks than it is about Emmett Till, who, who, who had to die for the struggle. It's less about those who lived and more about George Floyd, who, who reminded us and died. To remind us that the struggle is still existing. The reminding us that sometimes remembering can hurt. So it's imperative of us as parents, particularly as minority parents, to help to remind our children not of the trauma of what we went through. But it's important that we remind them of the struggle. Not the trauma. Remind them of the struggle. Why? Because me and I, I'm going to count myself among those. Sometimes as parents, we are so we, we are so imperative. It, it, it is such our, our cause and drive to make sure that our children didn't suffer like we did. But sometimes in doing so, we remove, remove the struggle out of their lives. So they don't understand that, that progress requires struggle. That, that we didn't get here without struggle. That, that, that people cried and died for the rights that we have right now because there was a struggle. You didn't just show up and, and, and wind up in a place and get everything that you deserve, but it's because somebody died, somebody cried, somebody was beaten, somebody prayed, somebody was hurt, somebody was traumatized. Somebody struggled so that we can get to where we are. And as parents and as grandparents, we, I, I'm not telling you to pass on the trauma to your children. Don't pass on the trauma that you dealt with, but pass on the struggle. Pass on the persistence of the struggle. They don't need the trauma, but they need the temerity. They need to know that there is persistence that is required for you to get to the next level. That, that, that you came through something to get to where you are. That you didn't just arrive there overnight and you didn't just sleep your way to where you are. But you had to wake up and work every day, even when it wasn't fair. You had to wake up and try and struggle even when they didn't like you. You had to, to wake up and do your best, even though they were actively digging ditches for you. I, I, I'm talking to somebody in here. I'm talking about when you had to be your very best because they looked at you a little bit differently. Because they talked about you behind your back. Because they set you up to fail. Even though they didn't realize that no weapon is formed against you shall prosper. They, they, they were actively coordinating their efforts to cause you to fail. But yet we know that all things work together for the good of them. They love the Lord to them who are the called according to his purpose. So what I'm saying is don't pass on the trauma to your children, but please let them know that this wasn't free. 
it was a struggle. This, this wasn't free. It took, it, took, it, took, it took me to be strong when I felt weak. It took me getting up when I wanted to lay down. It took me, caused me to be meek. That means I took things that I didn't deserve. People talked about me and I didn't deserve it. Said things behind my back that I didn't deserve. But I had to keep soldiering on. I couldn't lay down and quit. Even when it hurt to remember. Mephibosheth is in a similar situation because many of you are familiar with Mephibosheth. And but for those who aren't, I just want to remind you, Mephibosheth had a difficult life. He was, yes, the grandson of Saul. So he was born, get this, in a place of royalty. He was born where his birthright should have been to be part of the kingdom. His birthright should have kept him in the palace. But guess what happened? Saul fell out of favor with God. So now he is a member of the deposed king's family. Can you imagine how difficult that is? That not, on, not only is your family, not, not only have you fallen from being part of the king's family, but now God himself has set you aside and said that I do not want Saul. Your, your descendants shall not be part of the royal family. They shall not ascend to the throne. In fact, your grandfather was the one trying to kill the current king. And you're part of that. You're talking about being blackballed, being set aside. People, you know, you know, when when somebody's embarrassed and they just kind of turn the other way when they see you. Cross the street. Don't take your phone calls. I wish I had some real people with me right now. Don't take your phone calls. They whisper about you when you come in the wrong room. You know, they are whispering about you, but then they shut up real quick. Can you imagine that this, this is what Mephibosheth became a part of because he was a member of the deposed king's family. He, he was the grandson of the man who tried to kill the current king. And in those days, they didn't play like that they, because they remember, Joe, if you remember the stories, well, Joab and some of the king's close men of David, they killed David's own children who didn't act like they wanted to be in line with David. That's how they killed Absalom. They killed Absalom because he tried to defy the king. He tried to become king himself. So if you can imagine they do that to David's own children, how do you think they felt about Saul's grandchildren who were birthed from a man who tried to kill the king? That's what Mephibosheth was born into. And if that was not enough, Mephibosheth, when he was a young lad, the, the nurse picked him up. And then while she was fleeing, she dropped him. After learning, guess, and why did she drop him? She dropped him because they ran out of fear when they recognized that Mephibosheth's father, Jonathan, and his grandfather, Saul, were killed on the very same day. And after they ran in fear and began to flee the cities after the king, Saul, and, and after his grandfather and his father, Jonathan, were both killed. And while she was running away in fear as to what would happen at the hands of the Philistines, they dropped him. And when they dropped him, he became lame. He became a paraplegic. He could not walk. He could not help himself. I'm talking to you a little bit about the story of Mephibosheth. But despite all of that that he struggled with and despite all of that that he went through, somehow he still lived. Somehow he still held on. And I I'm talking to you because even when it's difficult to remember, I want to let you know you still got to hold on. 
You still have to hold on. When, when it's difficult, when, you're, when your past seems like an encumbrance to you, you still have to hold on. Because as long as you live, God yet has poured purpose into your life. I'm here for a reason. I'm here for a purpose. I'm not here by accident. So then David, we're talking about memorial. We're talking about remembering. Then David, it struck David on a day, and I believe it was inspired by God, that he remembered the friendship of Jonathan. Jonathan was his good friend. Jonathan loved David passionately. And when he began to consider the love of his good friend, Jonathan, it says David then thought to himself, is there somebody from the house of Saul? If there's one of Jonathan's children that I can honor, not on his own behalf, but because of Jonathan. I'm not honoring him because of who he is. I'm honoring him because of his father. So. Uh, It was interesting that it seems like every time this happens, there's always a servant that's around that seems to remember and have more information than the king himself. There was a servant there named Ziba, and he said, well, king, I I know that Jonathan had a son, Mephibosheth, son that is lame on his feet, that lives down in Lodabar. Now, Mephibosheth, if everything else wasn't working against him, his own name was working against him. Because initially his name was not even Mephibosheth, it was Mephibel. Baal, B-A-A-L, you know that was the God. That was the Canaanite God. So even his name seemed to acknowledge not even the God of heaven. Even his name forsook him. His name was not in line with God's favor. Is they changed it from Mephibel to Mephibosheth so that he can honor. And then even when they changed his name, you know what his name meant? Shame. His name meant shame. My name means shame. I'm born to the deposed king's family. My grandfather and my father were both killed on the same day. And on that same day, my nurse was running with me and dropped me and caused me to become a paraplegic. I could not. I was lame in my feet. I'm telling you the story of Mephibosheth. So David says, I want to honor somebody. I'm remembering what Jonathan meant to me. So I want to honor somebody. So then he calls them and Ziba reminds him of Mephibosheth. And they called him to the king's house. And David said, because of your your father, Jonathan. Said all the days of your life. Somebody say all. All the days of your life. You're going to live in the king's palace. You're going to live where I live. You're going to eat what I eat. My servants are going to be your servants. And the only thing Mephibosheth seemed to do right in his life is that he kept living. I I want you to embrace that. Is that the only thing he seemed to do right that despite everything in his life that had gone wrong, despite many of the things that were outside his control, it wasn't his fault who his father and who his grandfather were. It it, it wasn't his fault what they named him. It wasn't his fault that his nurse dropped him. But but despite all of the things that had happened in his life, Mephibosheth decided in his mind, I'm going to keep on living. That's the only thing that I have control over. That's the only thing I have power over. So I can imagine now Mephibosheth is sitting inside the house of King David. And while he's there and and, and eating of the king's food and and living inside the king's quarters and being served by by the king's servants. 
that somewhere in his mind, he begins to remember where he came from. He remembers his unedited testimony. He remembers how he was born. He remembers many nights after he had been dropped where he wanted to get up, but he didn't have the power to get up. Couldn't get up by himself. He needed assistance and he needed help. And the problem with being in this situation and being poor is he didn't have the servants to help him get up. But now that he's in the king's palace, he's in the king's house. When he can't get up himself, he has people around him that can help him. I wish I were here with me. That can help him get up. And the only thing that Mephibosheth did right is that he just kept on living. So I, I want to encourage somebody right now who feels like everything seems to have gone wrong in your life. I want to encourage you that even when remembering hurts, I want you to keep on living. I want you to hold on because you yet have purpose. There is a reason that you are still here. There is a reason that means that somehow, some way, even when I don't see it, I fit inside God's design. And the only thing I need to do is be prayerful. I'm the only thing I need to do is, is stay on my knees and inside God's word. So he directs me in what he desires me to do so that I can stay in tune with his purpose. Make sure that I line up with God's purpose. Make sure that I line up with what he desires for me to do in my life. Make sure that my actions are what God desires from me, that I can be the best version of myself that God wants for me. And that's all I can be. I can't be anybody else. Mephibosheth said, I, I can't pretend like my name is something else. I can't pretend like I was born to a different family. I can't pretend like I was not dropped. All I can do is be the best version of myself that God has created me to be. So when you remember all your limitations, I want you to remember something else. If you're remembering, you're still here. Despite everything that has happened in my past, I'm still here. Despite my own deficiencies and, and my disabilities, I'm still here. Despite there being parts of my story that I don't like to share with everybody, I, I, I'm still here. Even though I have relatives that I'm a little bit ashamed of. Come on in here. I, 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 I'm still here. Even though people didn't treat me right, not because of who I am, but because of who I'm associated with. I want to remind somebody that you are still here. Even though I don't have the abilities of everybody else around me, God has yet poured abilities in me. And that's the reason that I am still here. I'm still here. Still here. Mephibosheth might say, uh, I'm still here in itself is a testimony. And, and I know somebody in here who has that same testimony. You don't have time to tell everybody everything that you've been through, but just saying that I'm still here, oh my goodness. It, 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 it's part of my testimony that, that I'm still here because I'm, I say I'm still here because the still is letting you know that there was something that came along in my life that tried to take me out. And even though it had the power to take me out, it didn't have the authority. I wish you were in here. 
It didn't have the authority to take me out. It had, it had the capabilities. It had, it had the power. It had the diagnosis. It, my, the doctor said I should be dead right now. But, but despite the power of what came against me, I still and, and, and I praise God for, for God maintaining authority. Because I'm not worried as much about power as I am about authority. When I say authority, I mean permission. That means there are things that have the power to touch you. But they don't have permission. There are things that have the power to destroy you. But they don't have permission. That's why you need to read the scripture carefully. It says no weapon which is formed. When it says it's formed, that means it has everything necessary to take you out. But it doesn't have the authority. It's not saying it doesn't have the power. It's saying it doesn't have permission. And I thank God because some of you are, because of all the things that we want to complain about, I want to praise God for just a couple minutes. For everything that was pointed in my direction, but did not have permission to take me. I wish, I wish y'all were here with me. It had, it was pointed in my direction. It had the power to take me out, but it did not have permission. Thank God for withholding your permission. I think that would be the testimony of black people in America. There are many things that had the power. There are many things that had an opportunity, but they didn't have permission to wipe us out of here. I think a testimony for African-Americans in America is that we can say, I'm still, I'm still here. You tried to wipe me out. You tried to not recognize my rights. You tried to take away the rights I did have. You tried to make me seem insignificant. You tried to call me names. You tried to keep me from reading. You tried to keep me from getting educated. But some way, somehow, I'm still... And if Mephibosheth had a conversation with the devil, he said, you tried to get me when you named me. You tried to get me by causing my grandfather to fall out of favor with God. You tried to get me when my father and grandfather died on the same day. You tried to get me when you when they when they told me that my my kingdom was being pushed out of Israel. You tried to get me when my nurse dropped me. You tried to get me when the doctor said I never walk again. You tried to get me when they told me everybody forgot about me. You tried to get me when the rest of my family died. You tried to get me when I didn't have help to get up by myself. But even though you tried to forget me, God still remembered my name. And I want to tell somebody right now, when they fire you from your job, when your friends abandon you, when the doctor gives you bad news, when your finances don't line up right, when everybody around you that's supposed to be your help abandons you, I want to remind you that you 
Tell somebody who has painful memories. You have painful memories. But you're alive. You're still here. You're still here. So what is a painful traumatic memory for some? It depends on how you tell it. Somebody point at your neighbor and say, depends on how you tell it. Because it can be a painful memory or it can be a powerful testimony. It can be a painful memory or it can be a powerful testimony. Can you imagine how good a motivational speaker Mephibosheth could have been? <laughs> I, always talk, I always talk about Lazarus. Can you imagine how powerful a motivational speaker Lazarus could have been? He, he, he didn't have to talk about the darkness and the pain of what he went through. But he could transform that into a powerful testimony. Can you imagine him walking into a room where everybody's complaining? Everybody's talking about what went bad and what went wrong in their lives. Talking about people talking about them at work and they don't make enough money and nobody appreciates them and their family don't love them and their family don't talk to them. Can you imagine Lazarus walking in the middle of that and saying, but I was dead. <laughs> For four days. That's the difference between a painful memory and a powerful testimony. The thing the devil does not want you to do is to take power over what happened in your past. He wants it to remain painful so you won't talk about it. He wants it to remain painful so it holds you back. Because there's a difference between being in bondage of your past and you capturing what happened to you. There's a difference. Because you can have it in bondage or it can have you in bondage. It can hold you back from your destiny because, see, you know what all that, all that needs to happen? Is you repeat and disqualify yourself from your future based on what happened to you in your past. You know how many people didn't apply for jobs because they said in my mind I'm not qualified? I'm not qualified. Nobody had to disqualify them. They disqualified themselves. I don't have enough experience. I don't have enough education. I'm too young. I'm too old. I have children. That's going to hold me back. I want you to think of that and put that in your mind. What are the things that you use from your past? To disqualify yourself. I want you to think about that. What, what is it in my past 
that nobody else is trying to trap me with. Nobody else is trying to imprison me, but I'm imprisoned in my own mind by things that happened in my past. Because you're waiting on somebody else to let it go, but baby, you haven't freed yourself. You're waiting on somebody else to forgive you, but you haven't forgiven yourself. What are you holding on to from your past that you're allowing to disqualify you from your future? Because God has already told you what he thinks about your future. You know what he thinks about your future? You know evidence that he wants you to go forward? The only evidence you need that God wants you to go forward is waking up every morning. I woke up this morning. So God does not desire me to live in my past. He's preparing me. Oh. Somebody say that with me. Say he's preparing me. He's preparing me for my future. I'm not bound by what happened to me. I'm not bound by what people did to me in my past. I don't care what they named you. I don't care what family you were born into. I don't care how many parents raised you or if it, if it was somebody other than your parents. That doesn't hold you back. Doesn't matter how poor you were when you were born. Doesn't matter how limited your means are right now. Doesn't matter what your credit used to look like. Doesn't matter about your past criminal history. Doesn't matter how you used to act, how you used to drink, how you used to smoke, who you used to sleep with. Don't allow your past to invalidate the future that God has for you. Because God said, I know, I know the thoughts I think towards you. I know the thoughts I think towards you. Thoughts of good and not evil. To bring you, get this, a future. A future. A future. And a hope. I want you to say this for, for me today. Say, God has a future for me. Oh, come on, put those hands up like you mean it and say it. Say, God has a future for me. Say it again like you mean it. God has a future for me. Doesn't matter how young you are, how old you are, no matter what you've done in your past, God has a future for me. And if you don't think, that God can forgive your past. Let me give you one example from the Bible. I got more. Let me give you this one. Let me give you this one. Rahab. Y'all know who Rahab is. Rahab. A woman of the night. A woman who sold her body. She was not of Israel's chosen people. She was the, the, the harlot that allowed the spies into Jericho. You know who the lineage of Jesus goes through? I wish y'all were here with me. The lineage of our Lord and Savior has to go through Rahab. So if you don't believe that God will forgive your past, if you don't believe that he'll give you a future. 
want you to remember Rahab. God will forgive you. God will give you a future. Don't let go of this moment. Don't, don't be bogged down by your past. Even when remembering hurts. Know that God is yet with you. Can I pray with you? Heavenly Father, Lord, I thank you for this word. Lord, I thank you for your people. Lord, I pray that even right now that you touch your people. That you touch your people. That you encourage your people. That you strengthen your people. Even in moments of hurt and pain, Lord, and struggle. Lord, let them know that you are yet with them. Let them know that there is nothing that is impossible to them. Let them know that their past does not disqualify them from the future that you have prepared for them. And Lord, we pray encouragement, strength. Lord, your peace, your mercy, your grace, and your blessings overtake them, Lord, even on this week. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Come on, put those hands together and give God some praise. Hallelujah. Give God some praise. Hallelujah. For those who've been watching us virtually, we praise God for you. We pray that you will tune in and join us again on next week. And until then, we pray that you live with great expectation and that you live with great faith. In Christ's name, amen. God bless you. Come on, bright to I hope and pray that each of you were touched and inspired by our service today. If you wish to partner with us, you can do so by Give a Fun. Download the app on Apple Store or Google Play and search for Bright Temple. If you wish to partner with us on Cash App, just look for Bright Temple in the two line. And in the four line, tell us the purpose of your gift. If you would rather mail your gift, you can mail us at Bright Temple, Post Office Box 453, Shelbyville, Tennessee, 37162. Thanks in advance for your generosity, and we pray God's blessings on you and your gift.